0: First time that I've had a glimpse of your new house. The first thing to note is you've paid the electricity bill because I can see you, which I never could, never could in your last place. Um, secondly i love I love what you've done with the place. I love the decor. it is
1: a full time warp. This place has not been touched. I say since about nineteen sixty five Ben says from about nineteen seventy five because precise. there is a bit of wallpaper that's maybe more seventies, but it is um yeah, it was sort of one of those family homes that uh you know they were just in for generations. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is extraordinary. It is a full, full time warp. The, the curtains, <laughs> I've got beautiful textured styrofoam wallpaper, which is, uh, you you know oh, what beautiful. I'm talking about. Uh, that's that all, is. that's everywhere. And I keep catching I know, I, it with yeah. my nails, like when I'm moving boxes and things. So then it's just, it was all coming out. It's always oh, oh. terrible. But um, yes, it won't be staying like this for much longer fingers crossed <laughs> but you know these things take time um but it's do you know what it's perfectly lovely as in it's you know it's very warm the radiators are all new the boilers new like yep. as in all the functional bits lovely. that you need to Excellent. live in this house are, are all fine it is it's it's just the fashion it's not quite <laughs> fashionable that's <laughs> what i would say
0: or it's not quite your fashion—it's not quite your taste. Which you know, it's, it's understandable. This is what, what this is no one's
1: taste anymore. <laughs> I
0: said, it's gonna as the podcast. We'll keep giving people updates because whenever we do these podcasts, I might start to see things change. But I won't see them changing the next few weeks because I think from next week, I'll probably still see the beautiful backdrop. But after that, we're gonna be in Paris together for Roland Garros, which is it. it it's just—it feels like it's crept up on us or me, and suddenly. It
1: starts a week on Sunday. Such is the tennis calendar that there's so much tennis that you're paying <laughs> attention stop. to that you don't pay attention to what's around the corner. And, uh, you know, even, even on like a micro level, you're so engrossed in one match and then you're maybe you're doing two back to back matches yep. and then another one starts and you think, wait, OK, wait, who's this? What where, where, Where's my research? Especially if one's sort <laughs> of really epic. It's so difficult to to even think ahead at all. But, yeah, I can't believe it. Um, Roland Garros around the corner mm. next weekend heading out there. Uh, we'll both be there. Um, I don't think we'll see each other very much from a distance. We might which yeah, waving we each will other do yeah
0: across there's like the TV compound the TV compound looks at a side or a part of Philippe Chatrier the center court and a lot of the time we'll just be waving you from outside the five live commentary box and me for the from the TV so yeah. we just wave at other. although i hear it's we're so a,
1: an extra floor up we've been promoted to the uh, the TV level studio or uh, boxes boxes oh have you so i just have to wave
0: higher yeah exactly <laughs> so <laughs> don't
1: look at me at the old box i won't be there
0: I'll just hear my name from someone and I'll look up and there you'll be so yeah I, I go out middle of, of, of next week and, and I'm currently in that process with, with having little ones of, I prepare a survival guide. It's called a survival guide and it's prefixed by whatever tournament it is that I'm going to and it's everything from emergency numbers to after school clubs to what uniform they're wearing on what day to when the bins go out to my other half is like, do I need this? And I'm like, I'm sure you need this. So I'm, I'm, I'm nearly done with putting together my Roland Garros
1: survival guide. 2022 i have seen this survival guide in uh, reality (laughs) a few years ago and it is extraordinary the level of detail (laughs) it is pages and pages and pages do you think that the people at home looking after the little ones actually look at it very often i know certain people don't um
0: i just print off loads of copies i put one on the fridge on the kitchen table i leave one on our bed I put it in the bathroom, I just leave it everywhere, just in case because I will get a phone call asking me about something that is in the survival guide. So I know certain people look at it. I know certain others don't, which is why I get a lot of messages, normally when I'm on air going, "Is it what happens today? It's a Wednesday. So I just I like to leave, knowing that I've put it in place, yeah, even though if no one looks at it, it's fine. I can
1: look at it. I look at it a little bit. And I I'll, I'll give you a copy if you want. Perfect. It'll be good I'll use it. I'll use it as my template. So I just I just leave. That's what I do. I Love say that. I say bye and good luck and I leave.
0: <laughs> because you know it's going to be okay. Of course it's. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I just, I think, you know what, it is more for my own benefit, which is probably why I take a copy with. me. It's weird because I think you're more organised than me. But on this front, I'm just, I think it clears my conscience. I feel, you know, a bit guilty going away. So I just do it. But what we do know, what I know, what everyone knows, there is a new favourite on the men's side
1: to win... Roland Garros. Three guesses as to who the new favourite might be. Yeah, and I, I'm not keen on this, to be honest. Um, it it okay. is it is Carlos Alcaraz, the new favourite, after <laughs> Nadal crashed out of Rome uh, with his uh, foot injury. Was, well, he said, don't call it an injury. It's just, that's how my foot is. <laughs> it's how it is nowadays. It's not an it's injury cute. that's going to get better. That's just how it is. I'm managing it. It's there. I limp. It hurts. That's how it goes. Um, So, yeah, so he's been taken off of the top spot and it's been handed to Carlos Alcaraz by the bookies, which um, I personally think is... uh, Look, he absolutely could win it. And wouldn't that be hilarious after... It'd be a lot of things, but wouldn't it be hilarious after everybody talking, comparing him to Nadal? And I remember, even back at Wimbledon last year, all of the new the Nadal, Nadal, And I remember going, guys, guys, you, you've got to remember that Nadal won Roland Garros at 19. Like, let's, you know, levels here. And now he's going into Roland Garros at the age of 19. <laughs> he's just turned 19 literally last week. And he is the, fa- <laughs> he's the isn't it, isn't there
0: another is Isn't there another stat that it's also the same number of Grand Slams in that Nadal was. Like, I think there's... I think those kind of styles... Well, I don't think you can alignment. do it any earlier, can you? It's physically impossible. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But even Nadal, in a recent press conference, he's... And I can under... It was a little bit... I remember when Zverev got fed up of talking about his brother, Misha. It was always about his brother. It's always his brother. And the next thing he got... He gets fed up with quite a few things. But he got fed up about, why can't you do it at a Grand Slam? Why can't you do it over five sets? Nadal is like, stop comparing us. Like, he is brilliant. He, stop comparing us. Like, what I did at this point, what I did at that point, what he's going to do. Because as you say, when he burst onto the scene, we looked at the, we looked at the physique, the game style, the, the sleeveless top. He's Spanish. He jumps around, and Nadal's saying, "Look, it, let him be him, and I'll be me." Do, do you see what he's just? Because in all the press conferences, he's either being asked about him or, oh, "Can you see the comparisons? Can you see the likeness?" And Nadal's just
1: like. Look, I'm having and have had my career. Let him have his career. It's going to be a good one, isn't it? Um, He shouldn't be the favourite, I'm sorry, but Sitsipas should be the favourite as far as I'm concerned. He's won Monte Carlo. He reached the final last year. He was two sets up. He did everything but win the match. Um, He has the experience. Alcaraz has never been to a grandstand final. Um, I just don't think that... um, I, I for me personally honestly my favorite to win Roland Garros is Stefano Tsitsipas like that that's just how, that's what i think people might disagree with me but um you know he had a fantastic yeah, last year or when it came to the clay and um, he's been working towards this for a very long time now and I think he's been getting closer and closer and closer and he was within touching distance last year. I'd see no reason. It's not like he's in worse form than last year. Yeah, he's got Alcaraz to deal with this year, which he didn't last. So it might be very draw dependent because you don't know where Alcaraz is going to fall when it comes yeah. to six passes section because it's very different Alcaraz against six passes in a final than it is in the quarterfinals, for example that's a very different feel i think i'd very much be favouring Sitzpass if it was a final match between the two of okay. them again with his experience um from last year but if it was a quarter final then um you know maybe you'd be thinking that you know, alcaraz is going to have a bit more be a bit uh, more of the favourite on that occasion but uh yeah i don't know it's an interesting one isn't it
0: i mean i guess look, the bookies coming into this there he beat nadal and Djokovic back to back on clay with a bad ankle I mean that doesn't happen. Yeah, you, you, well, you don't do that, and then
1: it's and then, never sorry. happened. And, and, no, no, and, but, it's never happened. But I, I do just have to. to uh, it's very exciting. It's incredible what he's achieving. But just a, a little bit. Neither one of those were at their peak. We didn't have peak Djokovic. We didn't have peak Nadal. Actually, nowhere close for both of them. So, just worth. But even from mentioning. a, but even from
0: a psychological point of view, there's the there's the physical point of view, and I agree with you. He wasn't facing peak either and he had a bad angle so he probably wasn't peak at the time but it, I think also I, I remember you know Dominic Team, the weakness from Team coming from his team talking about it was the psychological side of things he had the game but mentally could he beat one and follow it up with another could he be in that situation it, it seems that Alcaraz mentally is in a very good place and has a, I mean and I think but if you're a bookie and you're putting everything together, your favourites. So you've seen that, right? And then a quote from him in Mark, my goal is to win one of the three remaining Grand Slams this season. He's also talking a very good talk. And I, I don't know, the people who put together odds, I have never, th- I don't know, do you, are the people who do the odds, do they talk to, I know nothing about betting because I would be so bad at it, but when they're putting, say, tennis odds together, is there a tennis specialist that does the tennis odds or are we looking at people that just look at sport in general. Do you see what I mean? In terms of, if you're a general sports person looking at odds, you see what he's done, you read those quotes, I 100% see why he's favourite. But if you're talking to someone, we work in the sport, everything like that, you'll probably get a different answer for the favourite. Do you see what I mean? No, no,
1: absolutely. It's experts, um, for sure. Uh uh, so I, I, I was uh, friends with somebody who um, used to be, uh, or who no, still is actually, you know, one of those those experts. I think oh. actually, at his company they had an expert for women's tennis and an expert for men's tennis. So right. They had okay. two separate. So it, it very much is because you need to take into consideration the form, the surface, the everything, everything going on um, to come up with the the most appropriate um, numbers. You can't just be guessing that wouldn't get you very far as a, a betting company so yeah no no absolutely there'll be people who are are you know geeking up on tennis uh, for sure and have been watching all the matches and been you know a, a big part of it really so look I can understand it's not like it's completely far-fetched like I think Dominic Team was fourth favourite last time I checked that is so far-fetched that I don't know something's gone wrong there <laughs> but um with, uh, with Alcaraz I could totally see how like if you said to me, Alcaraz is my favourite to win it, I'd be like, sure, I can totally see that. It's just that it's a pass mind.
0: Yeah, no, as, as I, said, I would just sort of maybe playing devil's advocate and I can see, yeah, wondering sort of who puts, I can see why people would come to that conclusion, but then you've got to add in five sets as well. And I'm not saying that physically Alcaraz, I think was of it was physically, wasn't he? In terms of five sets, how many six love five sets would he lose? But so it doesn't, it's just, I guess, how he will figure over that format and maybe he's going to blow us all away and maybe he's going to be fabulous over that format. I mean, the question for you, the, in Alcaraz, from what you've seen, it doesn't look to me like there's... Everyone can get better. Everyone can always improve. It doesn't seem that there's a weakness. If you were talking to someone who'd never seen him, where, where
1: is there a weakness? Where is the weakness in Alcaraz? Well, there isn't anything right now. Um, there just isn't a weakness. He well, I say that there are areas of his game that still need development, and that um, of course, you know, yeah, still, still need that little bit of improvement. I think the serve can still Im- improve a, a huge amount as well. Second although actually, although his kick serve against Djokovic in Madrid was outrageous. <laughs> um, no, there are still areas to improve. But in terms of like a, a real vulnerability, um, it's hard to see when somebody's playing well and rolling like this and feeling so good and confident then all of your weaknesses disappear. They're not there anymore. Um, it's only when you get a little bit nervous, a little bit shaky, if you're serving for a grand slam or whatever it might be that they, they tend to, to come out. Just like Zverev. You know, with Zverev, we say this, this is just the perfect example. I, I use him as an example because he is number three in the world, but you know, his, he's unbreakable when he's confident and he cannot get a, serve in, a second serve in when he's not confident. Yeah. And I mean, in Madrid, he had every reason to be confident and he reached the final. He lost to Alcaraz and he was not happy about the schedule, which I can absolutely understand. I mean, I don't know how players play in the middle of the night and then have to play the next day during the day. It's 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 crazy. But in a, his matches before that... He completely lost his second serve, just didn't know how to do it. He made a complete meal out of a, a couple of sets. It was really, really difficult. He only hit two second serves in one set, in the first set of his semi-final. They're both double faults. So he was just like, I'm not going to hit a second serve. Anyway, all I'm saying is that it's, it's only when you know, you're know you not feeling at your best that those things come up anyway. Because when you're free-flowing and everything feels good, like Emma Raducanu, you just keep rolling, smashing through. It just keeps, Everything works. And
0: Alcaraz's drop shot, I, lo- I love a drop shot. Uh, who, I, who doesn't like a drop shot? I love a drop shot. I don't like a drop shot. Do you
1: not like Well, no, do you like... I don't like chasing a drop shot. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: okay, that's different. But when you're watching a play... And, and largely off the forehands, I just... It's just... It's a thing, oh, I love a drop shot. As I say, I wouldn't want to chase any of them down. But And he brings that... And that annoy... Uh, he's just... Look, he's wonderful to watch. He's got a big smile on his face. I think it was a good decision, not to play Rome. I know he's young and we're like, he's young, just keep playing tennis. But he's had that ankle problem recently. There will be more pressure going into Roland Garros. And yeah, look, he's got a chart uh, I've said Nadal, haven't I, to win it? I'm going I'm to stick with Nadal. I'm going to stick with Nadal to win it, to be, is he, is he the favourite? I don't know, but is he the one I think will do it? Yes. So I've kind of, have I hedged it slightly? Possibly? I don't know. Um, Zverev, scheduling. I would hate to be a scheduler. Because you're always going to annoy someone. There'll be someone who's annoyed. I imagine there's a certain element of pressure from the, the big guys, you know, to say, Look, I don't want to be playing at this time. Not that that should influence anything, but I'm sure a little bit of that comes in from somewhere. And then you've also got to think of the crowd. So who do the crowd want to see at the peak times? And do you have to think of TV audience as well? I mean, it's a oh, No well, you had to avoid the
1: football as well. You, had, you couldn't put Rafa on during the football. out Because he, the he was there. He was at the burnabout. What well, exactly. He was also going, so you might not have had Rapper on court. <laughs> would it work well,
0: wouldn't it? <laughs> but you know, but you had
1: to you had to work around the football. Yet they had all sorts going on. I agree. Look, tennis schedules a nightmare. Yeah. It, it, it's it's so hard. When's it, it going to end? Um... Don't
0: know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think that would be that would be a horrendous job, and a job that I would not want. On Jebeur, we were talking last week, and we were both saying we felt it was coming. We felt the breakthrough was coming. She's made the breakthrough. On Jebeur is a is
1: a mass is a one thousand winner. She is, and it yeah we we felt it was coming. Well, we were at semi finals, weren't we, when we were talking about it? So it wasn't like we really picked it, but uh, yeah, we. <laughs> uh, I, but we talked about feeling as though.
0: It, and everyone could see it that she was getting closer and closer and closer.
1: Yeah, she she's had to sort of chip away. Um, but it's incredible, isn't it? Just incredible what she's achieved, breaking so many boundaries. I mean, what that means for the sport, for a culture, to have an Arab woman at the very, very top winning these huge, huge events. I mean, she could legit... like It's a possibility. She could get to number one in the world at some point. You know, she could potentially win a Grand Slam. You don't know. I mean... I don't think she's ever going to be the favourite going in, but hey, loads of non-favourite players win slams. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely extraordinary. I bet she is a hero for just millions, absolutely millions. And um, to be doing something as the first, it's just, you know, they, I can't imagine that really, just just can't imagine it. I can't believe she's 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 done this well. I can't believe it. even back to the day when I was getting absolutely chopped up by her. Oh, I say chopped up. <laughs> it was three sets, but I was chopped up in There's sets the two scar and three. <laughs> Those bloody drop shots. Um, you know, but even then, I mean, she was so so good. But it's taken a long time for her to come back. I think that was two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and fourteen. She was sort wow. of one hundred and twenty in the world, and uh, yeah. Um, oh, love her. I, can't, I yeah always love to watch Ons she's one of my favorites
0: I love the, it's the game style isn't it uh, I, I love her games I love the way she mixes it up I love the smile that she always has on her face I love the way she talks you talk about her being a role model you can chat to her she's she's friendly she's she's warm she's welcoming whenever you have to do an interview with her it's an absolute pleasure some people are more difficult than others she's an absolute pleasure there is you can chat to her about football you can chat to her about the tennis and and as you say that the um the barrier she's broken that is is absolutely incredible i mean you know that we had president sending her messages saying this is and her family flew over there for the final for her to then to be able to cross that finish line i think it's i think it's unbelievable we look we talked about this a lot but this, the state of the women's game you know there was that sort of sharp intake of breath when ash barty retired for a number of reasons Because we were thinking she'd be there, maybe not for 10, 15 years, but at least for a few years to come and how she'd set the bar and what would happen now. We're not going to see her. And are we going to see Serena Williams again? And what's going on with injuries to certain players? But the women's game is in these fabulous hands right now with Shviontek saying, you know what? I'm number one and I'm going to embrace number one and I'm going to roll with number one. I mean, the way she's playing, how she's changed. I thought it was interesting going into clay. Shviontek said, that she always saw herself as a clay court player, but because she's added a different side to her game, getting the success on the hard courts, that she'd almost, she felt like she had not forgotten, but she was going to have to revert to the old Svantec to play on clay again, because her game, she feels, and it looks so different to, to say, a year ago when she was playing on clay.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how her game has evolved so much. I think so much of it is the the confidence, but she is just incredible to watch. I mean, it's it's just amazing. But, but the thing is, is like, I see what she's saying. I'm not disagreeing with her. But when I watch her play, I just think, well, this works on any surface. This is not, this is not any sort of specific thing. She's taking the ball really early. Yep. She's playing very aggressively. She's got the shape on the forehand. She's got the backhand slice that comes in here and there. You know, her serve is so accurate. You know, it's just all of it. It's like, I mean, you could stick her on a court made out of mud and she'd win. It's just, she could play underwater. It doesn't, I don't know. It's, it's... I mean, I know that there are obviously those details that change from surface to surface, but I think it, it really looks great.
0: Which it then, do you think it could be a little bit more mental? As And this is the style she had grown up with playing with. She said, I am a clay court player. It took her the Roland Garros title. She's she's added, developed and progressed. But it's a slightly different style than she brought to the clay last time round. So could it be mentally she's got to kind of adjust to the player she is now?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think she's, yeah, she's making those adjustments. She seems to have adjusted quite fine, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I think everything is okay in the Siontech world, but she's going to be going in as the heavy Um, favourite. It's become the heavy favourite over the last last couple of months, which is uh, amazing. But, um, you know, she's going to have to make an adjustment to that. Uh, But I think that... She's she's just ready to to roll. I think she's loving the way that she plays. The, the, when you watch her on the court, it, there's just so much joy. I think in her competitiveness and oh, oh, sure, it's easy when you're winning. It's less joyful when you keep losing heartbreakers like Pablo Carreño Buster at the moment. Three times, three times he's had multiple oh, match points PCB. and lost this year. <laughs> uh,
0: so. Someone is sorry. That just made me think of somebody who went through so much heartbreak, having a little bit more success, a little renaissance. is Chilich.
1: I mean, yeah, man and Cilic, playing really to, well.
0: To see the big smile on his face because that as a man has been through some heartbreakers, and I thought the knees, and I thought we'd seen the best of him, and that was Chilich. But I'm, sorry to take us completely down a different road, but yeah, just I've been quite happy to see. Some of the success that Cilic has been having lately. He played
1: so well. I did his match in Madrid against Zverev. He won the first set, pushed him to three. He'd never won a set off him on clay. And he was so, so good for that match. So I'm not surprised that he's been able to pull the results together in Rome. So, yeah, good for Marin.
0: Yeah, I just like seeing that. But yeah, as you say, when things are going your way, that's like anything in life. If things are going your way and you're feeling good, you're on a roll. There's that, that confidence, there's that belief that you're invincible and you can keep going. So, But I just love the way and it's a little bit like I love the way that she adapted to being a, a first time Grand Slam champion. I love the way she's taken to being world number one. I just it's kind of she's there hasn't been a reaction maybe there will be at some point but she's like yeah this is great and she's being very I know she's got a good team around her and she works very hard on the mental side of things and she's working with Agnieszka Radvanska's former coach and that's added a different dimension to the game but yeah I mean look she, she's the they're pushing behind her but but she's the one to beat and she's like I'm enjoying this and and I fancy staying here so 100% the overwhelming favorite for Roland Garros. Hundred percent. We're both going are we saying that now? Yeah. four draws? Are we shall yeah. we? Yeah. We do that now? Right. Yeah. So we've got Sitsapas. Pass well, her
1: draw is that she's at the top of the pile.
0: Sitsapas passiontech. But is in who else falls into her. So Sitsapas and for you, Nadal and Schwantec for me. We done? Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Um there you <laughs> go. someone else we talked about recently there a lot. There you go. <laughs> Look at us all cocky predictions in. Um Andreescu. Interesting that she has. She was asked recently, Emma Raducanu nursing a, a back problem, trying to get herself fully fit. Interesting. And I thought this was actually quite sensible to, she was asked impressed to maybe give some advice to Raducanu because obviously Andreescu had this huge breakthrough in 2019, ended with the US Open, but the body thereafter didn't play ball for a while. And, and I thought it was quite interesting, her... So, yeah, to a point, she says, look, it's not up to me. She's got the people around her. I have great people around me. But I thought it was quite interesting that they asked Andreescu just to give a few words of, few words of wisdom to to Radicano and where she's at now.
1: Well, don't do what Andreescu's done. <laughs> <I think that's laughs> there we <probably> go, everyone. <laughs> what uh, I think a lot of people would say, Andreescu is used now as an example of how even really successful players can can get things wrong um and how important the team around you is and it's important that you have a a player that can listen and absorb things that are coming in from the team. You go back to somebody like Carlos Alcaraz, you know, just everything that is coming at him. There's so it's so, so much attention to detail, the professionalism of it all, but you know that he's just soaking it all up and you, you've got to have both of those things. Um, I don't know what the situation was with Andrescu, whether it was that her team weren't pulling her back from playing and she was just saying... or or whether it was that they were and that she was saying, I don't care. I'm going to play anyway. Like I'm playing, I just want to play. Yeah. Um, Because she made a number of mistakes um, and physically it's really taken a a big toll. And there is an element of, you've got to sort of wear your body in to playing at, at that high level and sort of, keep it like that it's like when you come back from an injury for example you might feel completely fresh fit and fabulous but you can pick up injuries quite quickly because your body's not worn it needs to be sort of a bit battered a bit bruised uh, to be able to to take the pressure and I think because Andrescu, similar to Emma you know had such a big breakthrough um, and demanded more of her body than her body was ready for Which is where I think it's slightly different to Emma because, you know, Andreescu was in those deep three setters, uh, toughing it out at such a a brutally physical level, match after match after match. And her willpower was something that I think we probably hadn't seen since Sharapova or Serena, to be honest, um, in terms of how much she wanted to win. And that even when her body was saying, I cannot play anymore, she forced her body to win. She forced her, like, she just forced it to happen. And it's amazing to see because, you know, most people, when your body's telling you to give up, you give up. Like, I in 99% (laughs) of people do that. Um, So it was amazing to see. Um, And then, of course, she came back at the French Open after that big injury. That was too early. That was just because she got impatient and wanted to play. And she said that she really regretted that. Um, You know, so, Yeah. Lots of lots of mistakes, I I think. And uh, yeah, whether or not um, Emma's the same, I think everybody's got a different journey to go on. Right. But it's very, very hard to not make mistakes when you're a teenager and doing unbelievable things. You know, I I think the only way and this is a difference between the three of them the only reason that alcaraz is probably not going to make many mistakes is because of his team and because they have really had every detail nailed from a very young age and it it's it, it just doesn't it's just got such a professional vibe as in like his his team setup is is as it would be if he was number 1 in the world
0: yeah yeah
1: you know whereas Emma and andrescu would want to change things as they got to the top. You, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just not, it hasn't been done in the same way. Um, but look, hey, if you're Alcaraz, I mean, that costs an obscene amount of money. Obviously, they knew he was going to be very good, but they didn't know gonna he was going to be this good. I mean they probably thought he might be he could be but they didn't know it's a huge investment to uh to undertake but
0: I remember a coach I spoke to a few years ago at Wimbledon and they said you've got to invest in yourself because you're you're the product and he looks at some players who And it is a big thing if players have to go in debt or borrow money or be financed or get sponsors. But he said, you know, he gave a couple of examples and said if they invested in themselves, if they took possibly the short term hit, it would pay off. But that's also a big risk because you can make that investment and it might be out of your hands. It might be an injury that derails things. So I imagine I've never been in that situation, but it's a big step to take. It's a big investment to make. But then I also understood his point is you are the product. You've got to if you had a business you invest in your business to make it grow and that's the same thing for you guys as tennis players
1: yeah but you invest in your business for the chance to it for it to grow it might not um and they are risks and calculated risks that people need to take and a lot of people are very self-aware and have just decided they don't want to take that risk um other people have just decided, I'm happy where I am. I just, I don't want that, to be honest. I know what comes with it. I know the hard work I need to put in to get there and I don't want to do it. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's, yeah, I don't know. And then when it when it comes to coaches, it's difficult. Money money is always a big part of it behind the scenes with negotiations. And it's very, very hard. This is an individual sport where I will just add in the rules, it says that, explicitly no coaching is allowed on court so <laughs> how important is your coach it's just it's just a question it's just it, it, as opposed to you know uh a football manager for example who's you know you've got a half time to deal with you've, you've got you've got so many players to manage you've got yeah. subs to make you've, you've got all of these things as in like he's working probably harder than anybody or she through the match whereas you know ultimately for the tennis match you are supposed to be even though they all coach and we know it uh you are supposed to be cheerleading through the match right you are just you just become a cheerleader you're completely redundant you can't do anything apart from just be a sounding board for your for your player so it is quite different i think that the um relationships the contracts everything is very complicated in tennis it's not um you know, even if you compare it to people, always compare it to something like golf, maybe golfers with their caddies. A caddy does an awful lot more work during play than a tennis coach should be. <laughs>
0: Love it, or, but as we know, or even
1: does they are coaching. Even does. <laughs> so they are coaching, but they're not even saying that much. To be honest, they might say a couple of bits here and there. But ultimately, this is a sport where you are trained to do it yourself. Your job as a coach is to empower the player to go and make those decisions themselves. Mm. Your job is not to make those decisions in live play; it is up to the player. Whereas in every other sport, not every other sport, but sports that are sort of similar, yeah. that's your your job is to actually make decisions as the as the play is going on
0: i got a question for Coach Cavaday. It's from Nat J, got in touch, saying, what do you do as a coach with a player who clearly shows great promise, has had success in the past, but is on a bit of a, a losing streak? And We had a bit of a chuckle about this because she was talking about Felix Ogielia Zoom. And ever since her question came in, I was replying saying, Hasn't he just beaten Alejandro Davidovich for and did not he beat Sinner in Madrid? <laughs> so she said, "Yeah, he's doing quite well now." But I think I think that the question is <laughs> is a good one. Um, in that, how do you, as a coach, deal with that kind of situation?
1: Say that again. <laughs> what kind of situation? So you've got a player.
0: Sorry. You've got a player who shows great promise. Right? Yes, they've had success in the past. Yes, but they're on a bit of a losing streak. So how do you? turn that all around and basically get them back on. He seems to be doing it, but how do you get them back on track?
1: Well, I mean, coaches all have different ways of doing it. Uh, Really, it's all about managing the confidence of a player. And yes, the best way to gain confidence is to win matches. Okay, If winning's not happening, you can't really do much about that.
0: Well, it's chicken in the egg. Exactly. So I mean, it ha- depends
1: on your ranking. So if you're ranked 70, then you just make some scheduling changes and you drop down a level and you win some matches and challenges. Um, that only works yeah. if you go and win matches and challenges. If you go and lose matches and challenges, it only <laughs> has the opposite effect <laughs> and it, well, makes excellent. You, it lowers your confidence even worse. So it's a little bit of a gamble. So you've got to ha- And you
0: might lose your job at this point as a coach.
1: <laughs> you might lose your job any day of the week as a coach. But you, uh, as a coach, you need to make that judgment. Are they going to go and win matches and challenges? Or is this actually a real confidence or crisis? And we need to be very careful as to which matches they're losing because they're just going to keep losing for a while. Uh, aside from that, in terms of winning and losing, you, you then have to just break it down into the game. I mean, How can you build up your players' confidence within their game? Like what needs to improve? What ne- what can they do better? Then you've got to start trying to build that confidence when it comes to practice sessions, practice sets, drilling, uh, as I say, in specific areas, and try and give them. You either try and repair something that the player think is broken, or you try and give them something that they didn't have before. Because there's a, there's no you can't just leave them as they are and expect confidence to just turn up. Like it's just not going to happen. You have to be making some changes, uh, and you know try and address those things. I mean, probably do a little bit of both. Do a bit of repairing, a bit of uh, developing of something a little new, and and then you can talk to your player before a match and you can genuinely say to them, okay, well, this is sorted out now. It was a worry before, but it's not anymore. And also, Hey, you can do this. You couldn't do that before. Like, this is great. You know, like a Sfiontech on the clay, right? You know, you can do all these things now. This is, this. Yeah. it's exciting for a player. They, they like going off, going on court, showing off their skills. And, uh, and when something pays off in a match that you've been working on with a coach, you always see these really nice exchanges between the players and the coaches. When, And you can see that the coach knows that that's something you've been working on for ages. You get a little smile, a little look of like, yeah, that's... Because sometimes you get these reactions and they're not necessarily about the stage of the match. They're not necessarily about the point. You know, it's it's sort of a bit jarring. Like, it's it's like, well, he's very, very pleased with something that looks sort of basic. And, you know, or and it's like, it's too all fifteen doesn't, you shouldn't be as like excited about it but it's normally because they've been working on that for ages they're like oh finally i've I've been trying to pull that off all year
0: and even if if they go off and lose the match and they're playing coming back from confidence and we might in commentary say well it's now however many many matches in a row etc 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 for them there might be a small victory within that defeat in that something they were looking to change or work on or achieve they've achieved so we might look at it and say well that's now however many defeats but they've just got to Focus. I'm not going to say follow the process and stay in the moment, but they've just got to, I guess, focus on their own journey. So if they are changing things, as you say, that little look, maybe despite the defeat is like, well, that's a little win because that's something we've been looking at. Do you ever as a coach, would you ever just take them by the shoulders? We might not do that and say, you are good. This is what you are capable of. Or if someone's not feeling confident, that won't. Because there's so many times where we say you could do this. You've done it before and you're good enough in everyday life or whatever. As a coach, would that have the kind of effect or do you have to go about it a little bit differently than the obvious of you are this good?
1: No, I mean that that can make up the bulk of it. Absolutely, it can have a really big impact. I mean, rewatching matches from before when you were playing very well, you know, all of those sorts of things. Of course, you know, players need to be reminded that their headspace that they're in at the moment is just how they feel at the moment. It's not the reality of who they are as a tennis player. Um, but that's, I suppose, the same in life. But it's very it's a it's a big challenge for coaches. But what I would say is that it's a lot less pressure to be working with somebody who's losing than uh, somebody who's winning so it's <laughs> it sort of swings around about yeah, you have yeah. probably more to do in terms of your coaching insight and ability like you ha- and your skill level as a coach you have to deliver you have to make changes uh whereas when everything's going very well you don't have to do that much because you've just got to manage you've got to fight fires you've got to make sure this is al- this train's allowed to keep going right you think of juan carlos ferreira right now you know it's it's, it's how do we keep this going but i tell you what The person who's going into Roland Garros with all the pressure as a coach would be Juan Carlos Ferrero. His player is the favorite because he's got the best player in the world right now. Exactly under his wing. Exactly. So you have sort of different things, and it is quite nice as a coach because with once your player has been losing for a while, like or they've had a bad run for a bit and they're a bit disappointed, it does take it takes that pressure off, and it also it gives you the room to make developments to make improvements and that's very very important um and it's it it, it's helpful as a coach in terms of delivering things but also it is just good overall for the development of a player because you know we've seen players that will do very very well very young somebody like zverev if zverev hadn't have won as much as he did he wouldn't have had as much pressure to keep winning and he might have been able to sort out his second serve he might have had the room to do yeah, that. Yeah. The coach might have. His dad, who was coaching him at the time, might have had the room to go. Do you know what? Right, we, we're gonna we're gonna knuckle. We're gonna sort this out because you keep losing matches because of it. So let's sort it out. Whereas you know, he was number three in the world. I think by twenty or however old he he was. You know, he was very very young, winning masters events and stuff. So you just don't. In the off season is not long enough. You have to be doing it through competition. So it means that you're going to have to take a hit to your results to be able to develop. And, you know, who's going to do that when you're 20 years old, number three in the world? You're just going to go, I think what I'm doing right now is absolutely fine. You know, you just, you are, right? Like That's, that's, yeah, that's just it. And also it becomes very difficult for a player, even if, say, Zverev got into a headspace where he was losing all the time, it's very difficult for him to listen to a coach who wants to make big changes because he's like, but I got to number three in the world with this serve you know Ostapenko and her serve there was lots of chat about it after the her French Open victory and how she needed to make technical changes she was like I just won the French Open with it what do you mean make changes what's wrong with you like it's you're fired what what are you talking (laughs) about (laughs) this is this is ridiculous um so but again it's about that confidence and it's like well yes when you're feeling that good and playing ridiculous high-risk tennis all the time and it's working, then sure, it's great. But like, that's not going to happen for the rest of your career. Uh, so, I don't know. There there are pros and cons to all different situations, I think, that coaches find themselves in. Uh, personally, the hardest or the most stressful job uh, is, is to work with the very, very top.
0: Nat, thank you for your question. I think if anyone else has got a question for Coach Cavaday, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can get in touch with us. I'm excited about Roland Garros. We've made our... Uh, predictions, so we haven't got to do that next week, whether we record in the UK or when we're in Paris. I've now... um, I get real mum guilt ahead of going away, and I'm now uh, just under a week till I leave. And the children... The twins benefit massively because I feel so guilty. I'm leaving, keep buying them stuff. <laughs> I'm like, here, have this. They're like, oh, this is excellent stuff. And they're like, oh, I'm really going to miss you. It's going to be very sad. So the next day, I'm like, oh, have this. <laughs> it's just my sort of whether it's kind of sweets or little treats or let's go out here. And It's pure. Mul- Love my boys, but it's also pure mum guilt. And they and they kind of like, oh, I see, so you're leaving. And then you'll bring us big presents from where you travel to. So, yeah, I've got to go out and, and get the latest mum guilt offering ahead of pickup. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go and do that. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to us being together. Waving at each other, having not spoken to each other across across Roland Garros, and I don't know when we're going to record next week. Might be when we're in Paris. Might be before. But um, yeah, I can't wait. We're actually going to be together at a tournament. I know. Let's
1: go.